Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, or on your iPads or phones or um, whatever you might have, to Mark chapter 11. Uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and, um, you know, we traveled with Dad Hagen for a few years there, a couple years, and, um, you know, he preached so many messages on this passage of Scripture. It's amazing that you just, I just think about it when I'm reading the Word, and you go to a passage of Scripture that you have read and read and read, and when you open your heart up to hear from God, it, there is endless revelation endless depth. You can get understanding. It begins to come to new light, uh, new revelation, new understanding. And really, um, like a, a guy at Baylor University told Dad Hagen, you know, that so much of the Word of God, it's like a mountain. And you can look at it from one side of the mountain, and you'll describe this beautiful picture. But it doesn't sound really like somebody looking at the same part of the Word from another side of the mountain their perspective is completely different. And yet it's the same scripture. And so uh, it's wonderful, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, it's wonderful to, um, that's a healthy sneeze. Uh, it's wonderful to hear uh, the word of God from different perspectives and, and the Holy Spirit will show you things that you didn't even know over the same passages of scripture uh, that maybe you've read for uh, your whole Christian life and maybe even before you were a Christian. Mark 11, whew, excuse me, Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God, or Jesus answering and said to them, have faith in God. He had just, the day before, cursed the fig trees, and the disciples saw it, and they said, like, master, what's going on? So they said, master, you know, that's like teacher, uh, you know, the, the disciples were that, they were disciples, and a disciple just doesn't mean somebody that believed in what Jesus was teaching, it's actually a learner, and in that day, um, you would actually, if you wanted your uh, son or daughter to grow up and be great in the Jewish community, you would actually hire a rabbi that would be like their one-on-one, -on -one, not only teacher, but really their model that they would begin to emulate and look like and act like, not like dress, but, you know, besides the Jewish dress, but uh, you know what I mean. And so um, the disciples were that. They were learners. They're like, Jesus is showing me the way to do it, but it was never an intellectual college lecture class, right? It's like, okay, let's talk about this and do it. So, um, you know, you see the five loaves and the two fishes. Jesus answering uh, their reaction to what Jesus had done. And so he's teaching them how to be like him. That's how we got our name Christian, ones like Christ. Um, have faith in God. So you're surprised at this, you're shocked at this, this amazes you, uh, you're thinking about this. His answer to them is have faith in God. And then he goes on to say, how do you have faith in God? For verily I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Well, now he upped them one because he was talking about a tree before and now he went from a tree to what the trees grow on, which is a mountain. And, uh, you know, if you go west a little bit, we've got some mountains. If you go west, like, a lot more, you've got some huge mountains. If you go to the northwest, you've got huge mountains. And Jesus said, whoever shall say to this mountain, in other words, I don't care how big and insurmountable and impossible you might think it is, you know, write the word impossible and cross out the I-N, because it becomes just possible. 
So with God, all things are possible. Uh, you just say, be removed and be cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, that unforgiveness will stop the move of God, will stop the activation of your faith actually coming into fruition. You know, throughout the Word of God, you can see you can have like great faith, strong faith, weak faith, dead faith, exceedingly growing faith. So your faith really can be in any kind of condition. Uh, You really want to think of your faith more like a muscle. So like you have muscles, I have muscles, but if you haven't noticed, I don't, I'm not like the biggest upper body guy, right? I think, in fact, I'm thinking I should figure out how to put up a pull-up bar so I can do more upper body stuff. But um, uh, the more you develop your muscles, the more you use them, the stronger they are and the more weight they can sustain. And so um, that's why Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. So that means that our faith can be developed and really, if everything was just going to be automatic and just happen automatically, you didn't have to do anything, why would Jesus say, say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say will come to pass. Then you'll have whatever you say. So he's actually telling us, like uh, the Spirit of God pointed out to Brother Hagin, that saying is in that verse three times, and believing is just once. Because we have to say, we have to speak. Uh, And the reason we have to speak is uh, words are really containers. And they actually contain uh, the changing life power of God. In the beginning uh, was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them through his words. Through his words. He had faith in his own words. And so um, scientists actually have found, I don't know, I have a, not a close friend, uh, but uh, someone that growing up, they were like 10 years older than me, maybe 15 years older than me. They're astrophysicists. And um, uh, so we'd always find stuff really interesting talking to him. And uh, he was involved in lots of different things. And so I love science. I love physics. Physics was my favorite class in high school. And uh, a lot of that's because I had an excellent physics teacher who didn't just like lecture it, but demonstrated it. And he would go to like the supermarket and the supermarket's getting new cash registers. So he's like, hey, can I have your old like belt system? And they're like, oh, sure. So he took the, like, it's funny. He had it cut out with the counter included. So it's got this old like 1970s counter with it and a belt system. And then he'd take and get a remote control or not a remote, but a boat, little boat, toy boat that had little wheels on the bottom. So he could teach us vectors. So he's got the river, which is the belt, and then the little boat is going across the river. So the river's going at, say, five miles per hour, and the boat's going this speed. And so he made it really real to us. So anyhow, I loved physics. Physics was my favorite class. And um, when you find, like we learned in a chemistry class and physics class, you know, that you've got uh, the atom, which made up proton, neutron, electron. I'm going to age myself here a little bit. So now they go like even deeper and find more and more and more. And so they get to the point where they find something that's called a quark, that all of those are made up of this thing called a quark. And what a quark is made of is it's simply sound waves. And that's the building block for every piece of matter in the universe is a sound wave. It's almost like they found out what the Bible already said, that God spoke, 
and it came into being. And so it's actually consisting of those words. And so um, MD Anderson Hospital in um, Houston, Texas, they found it to be so true that they did a study, not a Christian study, just a scientific study, health study. And, you know, because pride will hold you back. Pride will stop not only the blessing of God, but so many things in your life. And pride actually goes before a fall. So (laughs) they finally decided, you know, we actually don't know everything. And this is many years ago. And they said, you know, we are now open to any method of healing. So they studied like Native American remedies. They studied faith healing. They studied all kinds of different things. And one of the things that they found out was they said when they take a patient in for surgery, if that patient is saying they have a bad attitude and they're like, man, this is going to be a horrible surgery. I hope I survive. They'll, if they survive, they'll come out with complications. And if that patient goes in and says, oh, everything's great. I'm full of joy. It's not going to be a problem. Everything's good. They'll actually go through the surgery uh, very well. And so now they just in a natural way will encourage patients, you know, don't be scared about this. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great because they found statistically speaking, they have a higher success rate uh, when you're not like defeated before you go in. And so our words are, are so important and the words of God are so full of life and so full of power that I, you know, I was reading Uh, this week and last week, and I just sit there sometimes at the Word of God, and I'm amazed because I say, I have read this before, and I have never seen this, and I don't know, I don't know really good English words to quite describe it, but in the Word of God, His words are so tender and so precious, yet so full of life and power uh, that they always go right to the heart of the matter, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll think, okay, here's the problem. And if you're, I was an analyst, you know, so um, you, you can tend to approach life that way if you don't uh, submit yourself to the word of God. So I would, I could analyze the situation and say, oh, this is what should be done. But you go to the word and a side of the mountain that you never thought of, that you didn't think about, the Lord's like, do this. Or the reason I had you do this is this. You ever had that? Like, especially in hindsight, when you just followed the Lord, you're, you're not sure why, just like, I just feel like this is what I should do. I really have peace about this. And then you can look back and you say, my Lord, that was the divine intervention of God in my life. That is exactly what I needed. And I didn't even know it at the time. Dad Hagen told us, he said, some of the greatest leadings of the spirit of God that he ever had were what he called unconscious leadings. In other words, if you stop to think about it and process it and deal with it, you probably wouldn't have done it. And uh, a situation that happened to me that I recall is I was up, uh, you know, we were in that church and it had like 7,000 people a week, 6,500 a week uh, in attendance. They had another campus, so it was more like 6,500 where we were at. And it's in the auditorium, you probably have like three or 4,000 people. And so they have people, you come up front for prayer. And so this uh, lady came up for prayer and uh, there was also a guy there. And um, so I think I prayed with him first and then she came up and... Um, I didn't think about what I said before I said it. I'm just endeavoring to have my spiritual antenna up, listening to the Lord. And I said, um, you know, someone, what did you want prayer for? And so they told me, and I said, uh, or she told me, and I said, now, are you guys uh, married or are you just living together? I didn't know they were even together. And I am sitting there in shock. 
what have I just done? How am I going to fix this? And she said, um, um, well, he's my live-in helper. And I said, oh, the Holy Ghost kind of, I didn't say this to them, but I'm thinking this. Oh, the Holy Ghost kind of like pinpointed you. But if I had thought about that and processed that, I would not have said that. <laughs> Unless I had like a really strong push from the Lord. No, you have to say this. And so um, that's how it is with the Lord so many times. And, you know, we talked uh, the leading of the Lord, the inward witness. It's not normally like a strong voice. You shall do this. You shall not do this. Although sometimes if you're going against and like you're obviously sinning, the Lord will like, you know, it's grading you and like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. But as far as like, should you buy this car or this car? Or, you know, should you go to lunch with this person? Or, you know, some people get really nitty gritty and all, the, all that um, uh, leading of the Lord. But it's a still small voice. And if you're too uh, busy to occupy with all these other things, all the other circumstances and different things will drown out the voice of the Spirit of God. And it's the easiest thing in the world to just go along and miss what he's saying. Uh, but it's also not that difficult to just tune into him and listen to him. Uh, and you kind of have to train yourself to do that. And that is, uh, remember the scripture in the Old Testament that says, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes it's, uh, depending on what you have going on in your life, it can be a real challenge to get your mind still because you got this whole list. So when I go to pray, um, if I'm having stuff like that bothering me, I just stop praying and write it down so I don't have to think about it. And then I look for other stuff. I'm like, anything else going to try to come up? Because I'm going to write it down now. <laughs> I'm not going to think about it because that's going to take care of itself. I'm focusing on my time with the Lord because I want to hear from God. And I know when I've got all that cluttering up that uh, it's, it's stopping me it's hindering me. It's distracting me from actually listening to what he says. And one of the best ways to, to stay filled up like that, it really is to um, pray in other tongues uh, because it keeps you free from the contamination of the world and you're speaking things come out of your heart that your mind doesn't even know and it builds you up spiritually. And, um, you know, it's just a tremendous blessing that the Lord has given us to partake of. So that was extra. Have faith in God. Verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Faith really is not automatic. Now, in Romans chapter 5, we learn that he has dealt to every man, every person, the measure of faith. Okay? So you have a measure of faith. I have a measure of faith. What have you done with it? What have I had done with it? And, you know, it's interesting... We're going to talk about this in just a second. But remember when Paul talked to the church at Galatia, and he was shocked. He said, I don't understand. How are you so quickly removed from faith and getting into works? Because how are you born again? You're born again by faith. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. When are you saved? After you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you're saved, not before. And so this is, I, I love that passage of scripture. I love that passage of scripture. Uh, maybe we should turn there. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Um, such a wonderful passage of scripture. I have play, prayed with person after person after person and used that verse um, for salvation. 
Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Let's start with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's a word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the reason I like this is... Uh, when you want to grow in faith and grow in understanding, you always want to go back to that one event, the gospel story, the gospel message, which is that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and not for himself, for you, for the world, for every lost person, okay? Um, and he did that for all of us. And when he did that, he didn't just get us, uh, let's see, what uh, can be termed sometime as salvation, Salvation is not just going to heaven when you die, okay? So it is salvation, but salvation actually includes wholeness of spirit, wholeness of soul, wholeness of body. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, your soul has to be renewed, but salvation contains every part of your being, okay? So the people that are easiest to get healed are brand new Christians or non-Christians because they're not trying to come through works, they're just coming through faith. So Paul said to the church at Galatia, how are you like so quickly removed from faith? You're just going on now to works, but you started in faith. So he's directing them back. And you could say like Romans 10, 9 and 10. Remember how you got born again. You didn't feel born again before you were born again. You felt born again after you were born again. So if you're going to wait till you have the feeling, you're never going to have it. If you're going to wait before you believe and confess, you won't have the feeling before. That's how it is with our salvation. That's how it is with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. That's how it is with receiving healing. That's how it is with uh, prosperity, being financially blessed. We believe, we receive, and then we have. We don't have, you know, uh, it's, the, it's your flesh, my flesh, that wants to say, well, once I see $10,000 in the bank account, then I'll believe that I received $10,000 in the bank account. Well, you don't have to believe it then. You can just go see it. So this is why um, uh, in some churches I've been a part of, they would sing for altar call, and I love the song, um, Come Just As You Are. Because the default flesh thought is, I have to clean myself up before I come to God. Right? Even as believers, we think, before I go to pray to God, I need to clean myself up. But Hebrews uh, tells us that we approach the throne of grace. That means things we didn't work for. Uh, it's just a gift of God uh, that we may obtain, can you finish it? Mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Well, you don't need mercy if you didn't mess up. <laughs> and God is saying, come to me, my throne of grace, and I'll give you mercy and grace to help in the time of need. And, uh, but what the devil wants us to believe and what your flesh feels like is like, well, I don't really want to go see God until I'm good enough to go see God. And that's just your flesh, my flesh, like trying to slip back into this old way like the Galatians had happened to them. Saying like, well, uh, you know, but I got to do this and do this and do this and do this. Oh, now you're going to access other blessings by doing what the word says. If you're diligent if you're obedient, if you're willing, if you're obedient, you will eat what? The good of the land. 
So I could say like, okay, Lord, I'm, I should be eating the good of the land because I moved to Virginia, um, planting a church just like you said to do. Well, that's obedient. But the way I like to think of willing is I actually want to do it and I have a desire to do it. Okay, I was just talking with, uh, I don't remember, oh, I know who it was, but I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you. So uh, you, most of you don't know him. So I was just talking with somebody this past week and I told him, I said, you know, uh, I was at that church in Michigan for nine years and about seven of those years, you know, uh, there is no time in the spirit. So you all have a call and an anointing on your life for what God has called you to do. I have a call and anointing on my life for what the Lord has called me to do. One of those things is pastor. And so I sensed that years ago. And really, you get in tune with the Holy Spirit. He shows you things to come. Well, our mistake that we make so many times is he may show us something 15 or 20 years down the road, and we try to go make it happen today. We're like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. Here I go. And then people fall flat on their face, and they think, what in the world just happened? But they're not, they're not following the leading of the Lord, right? Because uh, the Lord will have time of preparation, time of training, preparing you for what he knows you're going to go through because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going to face, uh, what you're going to have to conquer, and really where your faith is at. So he's going to put you in a position to succeed, not a position to fail. He's going to give you exactly what you need. So I was talking to this, this person, and... Um, uh, tell them this, and I said, you know, about two years before, uh, you know, they're at a ministry and kind of wondering if it's time for them to go on to their own ministry or whatever they're supposed to do. And I said, well, I said, I will tell you this. The number one thing I would do is I would pray, and I would go to the altar, if you know what I mean. In other words, I would take myself, my desires, I would put them on God's altar. Say, in other words, here, Lord, I offer everything I am, everything I have. I put it on the altar before you. What do you want me to do? Because it's so easy, especially when you get a little glimpse of something in your future, to be like, you know what? The, you ever heard of this? The grace has lifted, and now I'm out of here, and I'm going on. And when um, maybe that's just your flesh not wanting to be put under. And so when I was at the church in Michigan, man, I, was, I thought the Lord sent us here for a year. So after a year, I was ready to go. And I thought, okay, let's go. And uh, actually got <laughs> offered a position at the FBI out here in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to go out to D.C. You know, D.C. has been on my heart for a long, long period of time. And so I uh, started to move that direction. And I just had a, on the inside, don't do that. I'm like, yeah, but like this is with the FBI and the Washington, D.C. field office. You know how cool that is? <laughs> and uh, I had a friend that was... Uh, deputy director at the FBI there that I knew and enjoyed working with before, and so I, I much wanted to do it. But I just had a check, and so I didn't do it. And uh, so then, like, another year or two goes by, and I'm like, okay, Lord, is it time now? Is it time now? And so fast forward to, like, seven years, okay? So that's, like, probably six years in a row, maybe, something like that. I would get my heart right, and I'm like, okay. And so uh, then the Lord starts dealing with me, and I thought I was willing for all those other years Okay, uh, but I found out I wasn't as willing as what I thought I was, and um, to the point where I was like, "Okay, Lord, I am just here to serve, and if you want me to end my course and end my race as an associate pastor here, um, I could do that. I'll do that." Well, then he says it's time to go. 
So it's funny how maybe sometimes we're the ones that are blocking our next move because we are refusing like to submit to the Lord. Because if I had just left, so this, the reason this conversation came about is this person asked me, they're like, when you left, were you like, I'm out of here, I'm so happy to be out of here, were you like, you know, I'm ready for the next move? I said, no, not really. I said, now, in my heart, I was like, you know, I was born to do this, I know I'm supposed to do this, I was so excited. I said, but I was not upset, I was not bitter, there were no issues like that, it was such a wonderful way to leave. And so those last two years, the Lord really did something in my heart that I don't know how else it could have happened. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it just pays to listen to God and to obey God and to do things his way. And it puts, I know, um, fortunately, I have not encountered too much of this in our church yet, but uh, I know it put things in me that I need for this church. And, uh, you know, it put a, a, many things, and I don't have time to go in, into all of those. Uh, but it's amazing uh, how you can feel or I can feel like, you know what, I, I, I know what's going on. I got all together, and I remember I was talking to somebody, and it was actually Pastor Mark, and I said, um, you know, when I was first speaking a lot there, I speak there on Wednesday nights, and I said, what? I get so nervous when I go up there. Like, what can I do to not be so nervous? And he said, uh, he asked me a couple questions. Well, are you preparing? Yeah, I'm preparing. And are you praying? Yeah, I'm praying. And, but I'm just like so nervous when I get up there. And he said, well, you need to walk in love. <laughs> and I, I thought, did you hear my question? Like, you're not listening to my question. And this is how it is a lot of times when you approach the Lord about something, and he's like, you know, well, you need to walk in love about that, or da 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 uh, And you're kind of like, no, no, no. You, let me pray again. You didn't hear me right. That's not what I was saying. Uh, but perfect love casts out all fear. And really, when you go to minister to people, you go up and be in front of people, if uh, you're so self-conscious that you're, like, paralyzed you're so self-conscious. That means you're not thinking of other people, and love is thinking of other people uh, that you can't even give out. And then really, you're not even having faith in God's ability to speak through you. You're just looking to your own ability. So uh, it's not what you, you, your flesh wants to hear at the moment, but it's what you need to hear. And so it actually really helped me and say, okay, in multiple areas. And um, sometimes, and I would say so many times, we always underestimate the other person and overestimate ourselves. And um, that right there will help you not judge other people if you get a handle on that because you tend to say like, you know, I'm worse than what I am, but you're better than what you are. Is like the natural way of thinking, you know. And um, uh, so you're kind of like, well, I would never do that. And the way I help train myself out of that is I say, you know what, I might never do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not even tempted in that area. Uh, but there's other areas that I'm probably tempted that I might mess up and do that you wouldn't do. And so that just helps me keep my heart right. So I'm like, okay, you know, I might not do that. I might not, like, fly off the handle and cuss at the lawnmower. <laughs> but you might. <laughs> but I might do something else. And so uh, the Lord knows each of us and, and loves each of us. And, um, you know, the way we access uh, the grace of God, and the grace of God is like a gift of God, is really through faith. And how do we use faith? How does faith activate it? It's motion activated through your speech, through your actions. Uh, and so the speaking part of faith is very important. And the speaking part of faith is really how we're born again and how you access things from God and how your faith grows. And um, 
Uh, I'll end with this story. You ever, you ever had somebody uh, that lied to you? I had a relative that actually practiced lying. Like, didn't purpose to practice it, but they just lied all the time because they were brought up that way. And um, they would start to tell a lie, and they would tell it for so long, they would actually believe it was true. Okay? Well, if you from your heart, if you see in the word of God, you know, his desire is that I prosper and be in health. And then Galatians 3.13, God has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And you start to declare poverty is part of the curse of the law because it is if you look in Deuteronomy. I am redeemed from the curse of poverty. God's will is that I prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. So God's working on my finances. And God's always looking out for my finances. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. He's multiplying my seed sown. Every time I give, it comes back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Your head might have like some um, doubts when you're saying this, but... Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 didn't say, and not doubt in his head. Mark eleven twenty three and 24 said, and not doubt in his heart. So you can have doubts in your head and faith in your heart. Then just let that faith be expressed in your lips. Uh, because we're not, a Christian is not like, go with the flow, how everything comes, whatever comes, comes, I guess whatever will be, will be. That's not true Christianity. That's not Bible Christianity. Bible Christianity is a belief and a life of dominion. And a life of power. We're not like uh, uh, just waiting to see what happens and I guess that's just what's going to happen. No, we're to take dominion, to exercise dominion, and to drive back the forces of darkness. And we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Not just a conqueror, but we're more than conquerors. So when you have circumstances uh, in your life, and I have circumstances in my life, it's not there for us to just confess what we see happening. Right? Just speak it. Well, I guess it's going to be a bad day. Right? That's an easy thing to do on your flesh. Say like, well, this happened and that happened. Or like, I guess I'm going to hit every single red light on the way. It's so easy to say those things. I'm not condemning you if you've done it. I've done that before. <laughs> um, but it's not for us just to conform to the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So the world is not like the perfect will of God, but when we uh, are in the word, our mind is transformed. And then we can actually start speaking the perfect will of God in our lives and the lives of others. And so that we don't just take what comes, but we actually declare. We're not just a... um, thermometer, we're a thermostat. We don't just react to the temperature of the room, but we go set the temperature of the room. We don't just react to the temperature of like Washington, D.C. and our nation, but we set the temperature. We say, no, I refuse to do that. And I, I think I told you this before. And uh, this was my second close or third close. Uh, <laughs> and that's John Osteen. I love it. He's in that elevator and the guy is cussing up a storm. And finally, John, John said, are you finished? He's like, well, I don't know if I'm finished. And he said, well, I demand equal time. He said, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And the guy just went silent. <laughs> because he's like setting the thermostat. He's saying, I'm not going to like just allow you to just spew all that stuff all the time. Now you got to use wisdom. You're not, you know, not casting pearls before swine, but you understand what I'm saying is that um, you're not responsible for me. You're responsible for you. 
And, you know, as your pastor, in a measure, I'm responsible for you, but um, in certain areas and certain coverings and certain things. But in your own life, you can get anything from God by faith. And he loves you, and he wants you to have his very best, his richest, his most. Uh, but he, even he will not disobey his own laws that he put in place. And there is a law of faith. And when you get in line with the law of faith, you receive from God. And it's not hard to get in line with the law of faith. You just have to put your body under. It may not be comfortable on your flesh. But it's the best way to live. Stand with me, if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for faith that we can trust you, that we can rely on you, that we can actually speak what you spoke, act like it's true, and it comes to pass. We believe, we speak, we know it comes to pass, Father. I thank you, Father, that it's not our words, Father, that we're relying on, but it's the words of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for Jesus and all he's done. I thank you, Father, that you've given us a measure of your faith. Father, I thank you that we have the same quality of faith that Jesus had, that when we speak just like Jesus spoke, that mountains have to be removed, that difficulties have to go, that there's no power of the enemy that can overtake us and overcome us, that we have dominion over all uh, the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt us in any way. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's here, every person that's listening, every life, every heart. Father, may your very best, your very richest, your abundance in every area of our lives, may it be theirs, may it be ours. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.